Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Monday edition and a jam-packed show full of NFL news, coaching firings, teams around the NFL asking for permission to speak with other coaches, national championship tonight between Alabama and Georgia. We will hit it all throughout the next three hours. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Paul Kuharski. Under the weather today, hopefully back with us tomorrow as he was in Houston yesterday for the Titans' victory over the Texans. Uh, back in Nashville now uh, and resting up. Feel better, PK. Uh, and gear up for what's going to be a big week where we go into the NFL playoffs starting on Saturday with the Colts and with the, uh, the Chargers out. Steelers and Raiders are in as we uh, set up Super Wild Card Weekend from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Chad, what an eventful NFL weekend where... The impossible happened. Jacksonville beat Indy, and then all the craziness started in the AFC last night. If you can't do a show on a day like this, then you should hang it up. Uh, We will not be hanging it up today (laughs) because we are going to do an excellent show with plenty of topics to get into. And where should we begin? There's so many places we can go. It is Black Monday, and there's a lot of different coaching vacancies. One that's completely unexpected that's out there that we can discuss. I want to start with what Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were calling maybe the craziest game they've ever called. And they've both called a lot of games. That was an epic football game last night between the Chargers and the Raiders. When it was a 15-point game from that point on, with all of those fourth downs, six of seven was Herbert and the Chargers on fourth down, a fourth and 21 with a touchdown to Josh Palmer. That was an incredible finish to that game. I'll also add to that and say it was incredible for me because it was not a tie, because there should not be ties in football. You play to win, and I'm happy that the Raiders played to win. But Hutton, I'm not sure the Raiders were going to play to win if they would have ran the ball in that play and lost a couple yards. I think they probably would have let the clock run out at that point. But the 10-yard gain led to a 47-yard field goal. At that point, you absolutely call timeout and attempt the field goal. And the Raiders win it, eliminating the Chargers. I just think when you have a chance to improve your spot, uh, to not play the Chiefs Mm -hmm. in a game, to get in a better spot and eliminate your division rival from the playoffs, you take that opportunity and you try to win the game. I loved it because there was a finish and a finality to that game. um, And we're not left wondering, okay, what if? You know, what if they attempt the field goal and, you know, they, they end up with a tie and they miss? That could have happened, by the way. This game could have easily ended a tie, not just on the, the, the run. And then, you know, Staley calls timeout. And 
the craziness on Twitter where people thought that Staley's timeout affected the game. It did on personnel, but it didn't affect the 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 Raiders aspect of actually going for the win there. They were going to hand off prior to the timeout, and they went with the handoff after. And the Chargers, who have been incapable of stopping the run all season long, give up a 10-yard run there right after the timeout that allows the Raiders to set up the field goal. It could have ended in a tie. And I, I sent the, the, the question out prior to, to kickoff. Is there a scenario where this game ends in a tie and we don't come in here, like we as a media, as a, a football fan public, don't come in the next day and think, you know what, both of these teams felt like this game should have ended in a tie because they guaranteed themselves a chance at both getting in. I love the fact that they didn't do that, uh, that you felt the competitive nature of this from the start to finish. And the, look, the, the Raiders have been an extraordinary story all season. They, they're riding a little momentum right now with how they're running the football. Carr is you know, spinning it as well as he has all season. And their defense is getting at the quarterback. But in the end... It was more about what the Chargers lacked all season than what the Raiders did. And, you know, Herbert's whispering over there or mouthing to somebody, man, I've never wished for a tie more than, than right now. Everyone knew. <laughs> this is one of those instances, Chad, where everyone knew that you could have a tie in a game. You know, yeah, there was not going to be a player on, on either sideline that was going to admit to not knowing the rules given the circumstances of last was, night. Last night was a true playoff situation. And for the first time in NFL history, the final week of the season – featured three overtime games where every game impacted the playoffs that went to OT. Well, it was so clear that... And the teams that won got in. I thought that Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels did a great job of capturing the uneasiness in that building with the way the game was ending and the excitement of it, but also the firm knowledge from everyone that was there, that was watching on television, that was playing in that game, that was coaching in that game, that a tie would have advanced both to the playoffs. And Collinsworth said, there's so many scenarios running through my head right now that I'm normally not thinking about because it's simply, this is what the team needs to do to win the right, game. Right. And now it's, well, if they get it with four minutes left, do they start running the clock out? If they get the ball back with two minutes left, do you even attempt to punt? Do you take a knee and almost a show of, I'm letting the clock run, you should do the same thing to get both in? It was almost like this game of chicken that was taking place and that, that last minute and a half, two minutes... I didn't feel like anything was happening to where both teams weren't playing for the win until the Raiders got the ball back with four minutes left after the Chargers kicked the field goal. They pass on first down and get a 15, 16-yard gain, so I'm thinking, great, they're going to go try and win. Then they start to run it. Then you get around midfield, and it's you know tick, 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 45, 40 seconds left. And then for the Chargers to call that timeout, I thought Staley's explanation was fine that – we thought they were still playing for the win, so we called timeout to get in the proper alignment. Yeah, they didn't have it the right personnel. It just looks dumb in retrospect. He didn't have the right personnel in the game. Yeah, for, for 11 personnel. Well, and, and for an obvious run situation. Yep. And then he overthought things, called the timeout. And when I say over, I mean, the, the guy's a, a defensive mind, uh, calls the timeout, and then still gets the personnel wrong on the back end for what they ended up doing. They ended up, they ended up having a safety uh, coming up to play linebacker after the timeout. And the safety got lost in the wash at the line of scrimmage. And he should have been where Josh Jacobs was going to end up, right at the line. And instead, Josh Jacobs ends up gaining the 10 yards necessary 
and allowing Carlson to hit that field goal. A fantastic finish to the regular season, uh, whether you're for the overtime rules or not. Um, I, I watched that overtime and thought, you know what? You don't leave this feeling cheated or slided. Now, I will say, last night I was thinking the Steelers got in because they tied with the Lions, and they didn't lose to the Lions. Um, but I like the fact, I appreciate the fact, that both coaches were playing to win the game last night. And look, the Chargers, if they end up winning in overtime, what a what an epic comeback performance that would have been for Herbert and that offense for what they overcame late. But down 12 and... Herbert leading the charge back in, in the, the drives in the fourth quarter to score. But the Raiders are the better story because the Raiders were the more complete team last night. Well, and, and this is, you know, a lot of the, the people that had the, the sentiment of, I want the tie because I want the Steelers out because I feel both the Raiders and the Chargers are more deserving than the Steelers. That's fine. But those three teams are in that situation for a reason. It's it's not like they were any one of them were elite at any point. I mean, we saw all those teams lose in horrific ways throughout the year. Uh, I I am of the belief, and I I will stay strong with this. I hate ties. Oh, me I, too. I hate them. And what I saw last night on social media were a lot of soccer lovers saying, "Oh, look how great a tie can be! This is amazing! This is a dream scenario! Look, ties aren't all that bad. This is going to be a great situation for a tie." And a lot of people who probably hate soccer that were also rooting for a tie just because they wanted the Pittsburgh Steelers out. They need to change the rules in overtime to not allow for this situation. That's step one. Um, but again, I'm thrilled that we're coming here talking about the Raiders and Daniel Carlson making that 47-yard field goal because if not, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a story. You know, it's, it's something everybody was talking about last night. People will be talking about for a long time. It's going to be memorable either way, but I just... I don't want a team, and you're right, Hutton, the Steelers, yes, the tie ends up helping them, but they didn't know that. They were trying to win that game. Right. That's right. Back their way into a tie. They weren't attempting to do that. I would have hate to have seen a situation where at any point in the game, even if it's the last minute, two teams clearly concede and stop trying to win that leads to a tie that gets them both in the playoffs. I would hope that would honestly be the thing that would end this overtime rule. And to be fair to the Steelers, it's an over, overtime win yesterday that gets them in the playoffs with a win over Baltimore. San Francisco, overtime win over the Rams that gets them in the playoffs. Um, so a, an epic Week 18 for the first Week 18 of the regular season. As we look at the playoff matchups, Saturday Raiders will visit the Bengals. Uh, that's at 4.30 Eastern time on NBC. Patriots are at the Bills Saturday night, 8.15 Eastern, in what will be the third matchup between these two. We all know how the first game went in Buffalo, where Mac Jones attempted three passes, and they, they, they ran out the clock and ran all over Buffalo that night. And then, fast forward to just a couple of weeks ago, where Buffalo handled New England uh, with decent weather conditions. Not... Not great. It was uh, a little, a little frosty at my at at Foxborough, but nonetheless, nothing like the wind that they faced in Buffalo. Interesting matchup on CBS Saturday night. Both games, of course, right there out of the AFC. On Sunday, we started the NFC at one o'clock Eastern. Philadelphia, the seven seed, after resting their starters either out of necessity, uh, 
what I mean by that is necessity due to injury or by COVID-related issues or by opportunity um, with last week's result not affecting their playoff status. They're the seven seed, and they knew going into the game against Dallas they were most likely going to be facing Tampa. Tampa's the two seed out of the NFC. That game is on Fox. 4.30 Eastern on Sunday afternoon. San Francisco with a win against L.A. They win. They get in. And by winning, they knock New Orleans out. They're in and they're on the road at Dallas in what is a fantastic matchup on paper between these two because San Francisco can win in a lot of different ways. And they run the football a lot of different ways, a variety of backs that they'll use, including wide receivers. And meanwhile, Dallas is the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And they've been that way. They've been setting the pace all season. That's a CBS matchup. And then uh, Sunday night football. Pittsburgh and Kansas City on NBC. We get the rematch after, through two and a half quarters, Kansas City was up 30 to nothing on Pittsburgh uh, earlier uh, last month. And then Monday night, the first Monday night football matchup out of the wild card weekend, uh, that game kicks off at 8.15 Eastern on Monday. Arizona at LA, the Rams and Arizona Cardinals both go into the postseason coming off of losses. Uh, the Rams win their division because the Cardinals lost to the Seahawks yesterday. The Rams will host the game as the four seed against the visiting Cardinals. The Cardinals, for all of their woes, limping into the postseason, they are 8-1 and one on the road this year. And they've already won on the road against L.A. Of course, that game is on ESPN and ABC in the simulcast on Monday Night Football. Look, pick any year in the 1990s and San Francisco-Dallas is the game of the year and the game of the playoffs. And that is why it is the game of the weekend because that is the primetime slot for playoff games is that late afternoon Sunday window. And that's why they put that game there. Uh, My best game of the week, Vegas in Cincinnati. I don't know that I've ever seen the first game on a Saturday be the game I'm most excited to watch. And that is the matchup in the game that I'm most excited to watch this weekend. That is a great kickoff to the weekend with Vegas and Cincinnati in that first game. The Raiders are a, a, a fascinating story because of what they accomplished despite what they haven't done. So they get into the postseason, and they went through lulls. They, they rode a lot of different waves this season. I'll get to Rich Bisaccia uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. But just looking at what they've done on paper, Las Vegas – was outscored this season by 65 points. If you combine all the 17 games, and they make the postseason in Week 18. Uh, second, by the way, is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was outscored by 55 points, and they get in based on the overtime win in Week 18. Coming up, the teams that didn't make it, the Chargers will get to them and what they failed to do after being a team that was on the verge of something special through the first six to eight weeks of the season. You could say the same about the Colts through October and November. The Colts were the media darling, the team you didn't want to face in the postseason, and they bowed out with a complete choke job and collapse, losing on the final two weeks of the season to the Raiders, and then yesterday to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who not only owns the franchise, they own the soul of the Colts, at their home stadium. The Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. Crazy. It's the last time they won in that stadium. And yesterday, they completely folded. We'll discuss that and much more coming up on OutKick 360.
What are we certain of with these NFL playoffs? That's coming up in about 10 minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. We are live with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Moulton. Great to have both he and uh, Jacob Swanson back on site with us after last week's snowstorm. I'm calling it a snowstorm, people. Uh, here in Nashville, uh, David Reed's the chairman of the board. Ellie Sylvia, our great production assistant. And... Um, PK will be back with us hopefully tomorrow uh, as he gets back from Houston and uh, fills up to it. Feel better, PK. First, though, we are certain of this. The Colts had an epic choke job yesterday. They went into a stadium. I, I was about to say filled. It, it wasn't filled with fans. It, it, there was, uh, sparse, it was a sparse crowd that had Jacksonville fans announcing days before the game that they were coming dressed as clowns and, and wearing Shad Khan mustaches in order to, you know, somehow visually vocalize uh, the mockery that has been their season and seasons. The clown show. It's been calling. the clown show. Um, I, I also owe Jacksonville and that roster an apology. I ripped them to shreds last week for just straight up laying down to New England and white flag season. And for whatever reason, they do not lay down to the Indianapolis Colts at home. If they're if they're hosting them, no matter how bad they are, the Colts are losing. And not only did the Colts lose yesterday, it sends a statement that they are just not mentally capable of handling the pressure of a big game and a situation that they faced yesterday from a coaching staff on down. And it leaves them with the loss having to ask some very serious questions about the future of their organization internally. They have a general manager who is heralded as one of the best in the NFL that's one game above 500 since he took the job. And they have uh, their head coach who at times throughout the season, and one game in particular that everyone can remember, uh, inexplicably decided not to give the football on 27 straight snaps against the Tampa Bay Bucks, in which they held a two-score lead, uh, up 10 coming out of halftime. Didn't turn around and give Jonathan Taylor the football, who at the time was playing better than any player in football. He was on a roll and on a, a, a course that was getting a lot of pub for MVP. Uh, didn't matter if he was at MVP status yesterday. Jacksonville jumped out to an early lead, and... They had a trash touchdown at the end. Speaking of the Colts, that game was 26 to 3 um, before, it, I mean, the game was over. And Indy wanted no part of it. They, they're the ones who turned over and laid down yesterday in Jacksonville. Hutton, you know, you owe no apologies um, to, the, to Jacksonville because this to me is all about the Colts' failures. Um, they could have put this team away early had they shown some fight yeah. in this game. Jacksonville getting that early lead and pushing the Colts around. That is what kept them in it. That's what kept them with the lead and eventually gave them the blowout against Indianapolis. This is all about Indy's failures in this game. Coaching staff on down. Everyone's talking about Carson Wentz, and he was bad. He clearly was not good enough these last two losses uh, to be a team that's going to be in the playoffs. But I look at head coach. I look at offensive line that's been heralded for the last three years that gets dominated up front by Jacksonville. I mean, start to finish. You're there was right. never a moment where they were not physically manhandled 
by the clown show Jacksonville Jacks. That is pathetic. This is on the Colts. It is a failure from top down. Ownership down. Where's this? This well, is not a Carson Wentz problem. This is not just a Chris Ballard problem. It's not just a Frank Reich problem. This is an organizational failure. They didn't just lose on a last-second field goal to Jacksonville. They got pounded in a win-and-end scenario. And they that didn't is lose. unacceptable. They didn't lose by Jonathan Taylor going down and like tearing his ACL on the first series of the game or something, where they lose their best player and their just game plan is out of flux. Where, where they have a lot of questions, Chad, is with Carson Wentz. Because Carson Wentz started more than 75% of the games and, and played more than 75% of the snaps for their offense this year, meaning that Philadelphia gets a first-round pick from Indy in this coming draft. So not only are they on the outside of the playoffs, having to ask questions about their identity uh, and where they're going from here, and, and whether or not they Carson Wentz is the guy, um, they don't have a first-round pick to address any particular need right out of the chute while they try to address what happened yesterday and what happened down the stretch where they lose back-to-back games to the Raiders at home and then on the road at Jacksonville, which should be a layup. Should be a layup and could not handle it. And, and Wentz couldn't handle it. Fumbling, throwing two picks. I mean, he was a mess. And he's the reason why I would welcome any opportunity to play the Indianapolis Colts in the postseason. I thought they were a farce. Yeah, I, I, I don't trust their coaching staff or their quarterback. There were a lot of people that were laying into the Colts yesterday when they lost, and rightfully so that were also a week or two weeks or a month ago saying oh, that's the team to avoid him. in the playoffs. Loving and saying, yeah. I, I don't want my team to play the Colts. Um, that's why you want your team to play the Colts. And again, I, I'll say it. This is no way credit to Jacksonville for showing up and physically being there. The Colts gave them every opportunity to feel like they were the superior team. Had they just stopped on them to start that game, the Jags would have quit. We have seen it time and time Absolutely. again. They would have laid over. They would have taken their beating. They would have been the Baltimore Orioles from June on, as Hutton knows all too well. Man. Just show up, take your win, leave town. Instead, the Colts got manhandled. And that there has to be some deep soul-searching going on for that entire roster this offseason. Completely unacceptable. Well, a, a great example is even their true identity didn't show up on the road yesterday as they're trying to mount their comeback and they're down three scores at the time, early fourth quarter, they throw out in the flat and get right to the pylon, right at the goal line on a completed pass from Wentz to Jonathan Taylor, who it's a great defensive play. They stop him inches short of the goal line. That's a third down play. Fourth down and inches. Fourth and goal. They turn around and get stuffed by the Jags defensive front. And that was all she wrote. Because they didn't have to rely on Wentz at that point. They turned around and gave it to their MVP. And their offensive line and their run game could not get an inch at the goal line against the Jags front. Props to Jacksonville. Uh, a, a Trevor Lawrence ends the, the regular season with his best performance. Um, he had the two-touchdown performance. We, I mean, that, that, that matched his, his total touchdowns over like the last but six or seven games uh, up to that point. I mean, that Jacks had just been atrocious, and the Colts leave Jacksonville with a, a slim chance of still making the postseason, but they knew they were out. They knew they were out. 
and they head to the offseason having I, I bet they had to wake up today going what just happened because they had everything laid out for them where they, if they just win everything's taken care of well and win against a 2 and 14 it's, team it's pathetic and and look the youtube chat right now has me pissed off for greatness so i'll continue to tell tell you things that piss me off uh, one is this guy in the YouTube chat right now that's telling us that um, we should not be talking to the NFL because they run racist ads during commercial breaks and they're in bed with identity politics. 75 of the top 100 television programs in the past year were NFL properties. So yes, we will talk about it. He says only people under 25 watch NFL teams that aren't <laughs> their own team. I'm telling you right now, only people over 25 watch television. And that is where the top 75 of the top 100 programs come from. So shut up. We'll do our job. We'll continue talking <laughs> NFL. And you're watching it. You're watching us right now. You're commenting. So, of course, you're paying attention to the NFL. Here's what I'm paying attention to. Joe Judge having a job right now is ridiculous. That oh, is let, the let me, true clown show. I, I want to chime in on the 75 of the top 100. Okay, go ahead. Uh, 75 of the top 100 were the NFL zero of the top 100 from the NBA, zero of the top 100 from Major League Baseball, and zilch from the NHL in that top 100. In what, college football national championship was the only one to make the list? I think that's right, yeah. Or or maybe a semi? And the Olympics. The Olympics and, um, you know, Oprah specials and things like that made the top 100. I mean, but it is... there's no other sport that dominates like the NFL. And... The storyline yesterday was who was in and who was out, and the Colts had a massive choke job. Well, it's just so uh, – I get so tired of this, uh, this whole – because I hate this one thing that happened, I'm, I'm going to shut something off that I love. I'll watch Packers games because that's my team. Someone else said, I'm only going to watch the teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I don't care about the last team to get in the playoffs. People are paying attention to the NFL. This is not – groundbreaking news here. This is the last great gathering post sporting event league in America that everyone can talk about and have something to identify. That's not to say everyone in America is an NFL fan, but look at the stats, look at the ratings. People are talking about the NFL. Now, Hutton, shall we talk about Joe Judge and the quarterback sneak on third and nine that sums up his tenure oh, with back the Back-to-back plays, y Yes. Yes. Ridiculous. That, I mean, and, and again, this is also a guy who ran two, he attempted two passes the week before in Chicago. They went to the locker room trailing by, it was two or three scores. I think it was three scores. And he had attempted just two passes in the first half as an offense for the Giants. Atrocious. Malpractice. And then does the quarterback sneak in the second quarter yesterday against his own goal line and... I mean, I, I didn't hear him address it. I watched his post-game press conference. He was asked more about his job security. Fans are going crazy, the fans that actually showed up to that game. I don't know how you can invest further with him, uh, but they are. Dave Gettleman's going to retire um, instead of get fired. He's going to retire as the Giants GM, and Joe Judge remains the head coach, at least for now. We talked about this with officiating in college football. Um when you choose stubbornness over what's right or what should happen. And officials do this at times with, okay, I clearly botched that. Let's get it right. Or let's, even if there's something that 
Maybe he's reviewable, maybe not when we're talking about forward progress. We all saw on video what happened, so we'll go back and change it. If you're the ownership of the Giants and you are going to choose stubbornness right now, which is clearly what you're doing in regards to Joe Judge, who it's being reported now, Hutton, will have say in who the next GM is? Well, that that mayor, they are meeting, he is meeting with ownership. He is meeting with John Mara today. Uh, later this afternoon, probably happening right now. So that you can imagine that conversation is going one of two ways. He's either out or he is having to put all his chips in the middle of the table and saying, here's what we need to do. And the, the mayors are all in with him. Uh, it just, it, and I know Armando Salguero has done some great reporting on the Brian Flores situation in Miami with him being fired and some reasons behind the scenes why he's being fired and maybe the possibility of Jim Harbaugh being the next Dolphins head coach. But it really does. When I watch the Dolphins play and what Brian Flores has done and that they can beat a good Patriots team twice and beat them the way they did last or yesterday in week 18 and Brian Flores loses a job. Again, I'm not in Miami. I don't know everything behind the scenes. Not saying it's completely the worst decision ever, but that Joe Judge and what we've seen with this group and this guy stands in front of New York media and tells them that I've got guys begging me to come back here. They're just so regretful that they left this organization and what we're accomplishing here, and they want to come back. Please. Well, you you know as well as anybody, and, and we all know people like this. Ultimately, it's about can that person uh, achieve the satisfaction of the employer, and that's it. doesn't matter what all the outside factors are going on here. Clearly, in the, in Brian Flores let go today by the Miami Dolphins. That's the big shocker, at least for now. Um, you know, he's the first NFL coach to get fired following a season where he had a seven-game win streak in the second half of his schedule. And not only a seven-game win streak, he won eight of his final nine games as head coach, and he's out, which clearly tells you this decision had been marinating underneath the surface for a while. I think it goes back to Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline where he was asked about this constantly, and everyone was reading into his answers about Tua. Tua's having to be asked about it. Um, I think it's pretty clear that the general manager who drafted Tua wanted to keep Tua around. Um, or if you don't believe that, then it's the head coach didn't want Deshaun Watson, and there is a, a rift going on underneath the surface. I don't think John Harbaugh is in play at Michigan because Stephen Ross is trying to pony up and keep him at, at uh, is not in play at Miami. Jim Harbaugh. I don't, yeah, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is in play with the Dolphins because the Dolphins' owner is has talked with him about ponying up and trying to keep him at Michigan uh, with his Michigan ties. So I don't think it's that. In fact, Stephen Ross has said, I'm not trying to steal or pry Harbaugh away from Michigan. He said that earlier. So I don't think he's in play at Miami. If he does, it's a total uh, con job of all con jobs after what he said. But going back to Joe Judge... He clearly, if he sticks around, has ownership or in his pocket or he's in the pocket of ownership. And you could say that about any head coach, but even more so here where he, he not just waved the white flag. I mean, he surrendered yesterday in the second quarter, not trying to get out of you know an attempt, a 94-yard drive. What was it, second down or third down? I think it was back-to-back plays where they go quarterback sneak and just live to punt 
when you had two opportunities to gain a yard, they chose to gain the bare minimum and just get back to the line of scrimmage and push the pile. It's also just... Uh, if you're going to surrender it's, it's like that, even, don't you just do away with your coach? It's not even subversively rolling over on your players. To me, that is just announcing to the world, my quarterback and team sucks. So I'm going to show everyone how bad they are by calling quarterback sneaks. So I, I take myself out. The game doesn't matter, right? It, it's in long-term implications. Right. But how you play the game and what you show to your roster matters. For guys that are coming back, what is that signal? To me, that is signifying this is a guy. I, I, I've told this story. I know I told you, and I don't know if I've told it on air before. Uh, but I had a JV basketball coach who one time when things went south put, pulled out the sports page and started reading the newspaper <laughs> during a game. And we went on a run and came back in this JV game in front of about eight people that didn't matter at all. And then he wanted to start coaching at the end of it. And I thought to myself, no, please, go back to reading the paper. We'll coach ourselves from here on out. We've got this. That was the equivalent of doing that for Joe Judge. He's saying, you guys suck so bad. I'm going to call back-to-back quarterback sneaks to show everyone watching that I can't do anything with you. This is no longer on me. This is all on you. That was the, that was the signal that was sent to me. I don't, watching that, and I don't know how any team is going to respond well to that. Well, aside from... Just let it rip. Uh, aside from that situation, so they fired Jason Garrett, and the offense, believe it or not, actually got worse. I mean, they, they were pure misery. And from the 30,000-foot view of the Joe Judge situation, let's just compare it to a couple of other situations around the league. Let's first look in New Orleans, where Sean Payton went through four different quarterbacks this season and somehow managed to get to eight wins. They were eight and eight going into the final week of the season on the cusp of making the playoffs if things fell their way. Um, And they end up winning their ninth game yesterday against Atlanta. Let's compare it to what happened in in Vegas where Rich Bisaccia uh, becomes the interim head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. They make the playoffs after everything that happened early in the season with the John Gruden emails, Henry Ruggs, and that horrible, fatal DUI crash, Uh, Damon Arnett and the gun video where he's ousted too for that. They, at one point, lost five of six games. Darren Waller's out with injury. Kenyon Drake's out with injury. Nate Hobbs, what, two weeks ago, had a DUI arrest. No, it was right. It was last week, right before week 18. And did you see the interim head coach wave the white flag and quarterback sneak on <laughs> on second down? No. Guys in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And they weren't the Giants weren't making the playoffs with Daniel Jones. They certainly didn't show any fight whatsoever without him. They could barely run the football of Saquon Barkley. But the quit that you saw in the play calling is an exclamation point on why that guy needs to be gone. Well, and let me give you another example uh, on top of the Raiders about how you can persevere and do something with very little to nothing. The Houston Texans. The Texans have Davis Mills at quarterback. I know they've just won four games. They're down 21-0 at halftime to a team that's a win away uh, from clinching home field and the number one overall seed. They come out and throw a flea flicker for a touchdown to start the second half. They score 18 unanswered. They get Danny Amendola going. 60-year-old Danny Amendola is going crazy. That's the type of thought I want to see put into it. 
And not just thought of, let's run a trick play here and score a touchdown off of it, but the thought to actually go out and show your team, we want to win. We're going to let it all hang out. We're, we're playing to win, even if your front office yeah. is actively going against you with every decision they've made. And that's what the Houston Texans front office has done. I'm disheartened to hear that David Coley may be on his way out to John McClain, who's been on this show and said he doesn't think he's going to get fired, softened on that stance yesterday and said that he expects it to happen. Still hasn't happened yet, but that if it does happen, it's going to be uh, Easterby bringing in a buddy from New England probably Josh McDaniels, but that's, or the, Brian type, Flores. that's the type of, of coaching I want to see when you're in a bad situation was what I saw yesterday in Houston, what we've seen from Vegas, certainly not what we've seen from Joe Judge with the Giants. Yeah, and, and while it may not be fair with David Culley, and what he, it's certainly not fair what he inherited, which was a complete mess, um, I think everyone would agree he had really no chance to survive there. None. And... They played hard down the stretch, but look, I mean, I think he's a great guy. By all accounts, he's an excellent human being that doesn't keep your job in the NFL. And the long-term view is if the New England guy wants a New England guy, there's a couple of guys available. One of them's a free agent coach right now, and Brian Flores, who was just let go by Miami and who's a really good, solid coach. And the other one is McDaniels, who has you know, been the, the gym of uh, off-season talk for Alaska couple of seasons and is looking for the right fit and has been discussed uh, with Houston in, in prior situations. Um, so that wouldn't shock me. And Dad, he, on he that. pretty much took the indie job, right? Before Frank Wright got it. Yep. And then uh, I feel like he was there. We're going to take out. it. And then, yeah, yeah, then backed out, got cold feet. Coming up, we'll give you the very latest on the coaching searches. Now that are officially underway, the openings on this black Monday and more to come. Uh, Chad mentioned David Culley. Uh, what about Pete Carroll? There's some discussion about that as well. And then the ending yesterday for Seattle, where they get the win, Russell Wilson, many think that was his final game. Was that Pete Carroll's final game? And the way things ended would indicate maybe not. That's next, so now kick 360. Give you the latest Black Monday headlines with all the coaching decisions across the NFL. Welcome back, Outkick 360. Broadcasting live from Music City, Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, we, we knew going into Sunday, Vic Fangio was out as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, uh, another team that fought Kansas City down to the wire. And uh, ownership there, uh, the general manager there, George Payton, even admitted that the team played for Fangio, but the, their mind was made up. They're, they're going in a different direction. Three seasons, zero playoff appearances, in a 19-30 overall record. Uh, according to various reports, uh, Gerard Mayo, uh, assistant coach with the New England Patriots, has they have asked permission, Denver has, to interview Gerard Mayo. My guess is that won't be the only place that Mayo will interview throughout this cycle. Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator um, in Dallas, who turned down an opportunity to interview in Jacksonville, I doubt he turns down the opportunity to interview in Denver. And an interesting one, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Denver, since the start of the season, really going back to the preseason, has been linked to Aaron Rodgers. And that is where the rumor mill will, will continue to swirl 
if they decide to hire Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, the coordinator for the Green Bay Packers there. Uh, he's also going to, uh, going to interview, I believe, in Jacksonville. Uh, and Trent Baalke, the general manager with the Jags, uh, reports over the weekend were the pairing that he wants is Fangio. This is prior to Fangio being fired, but I think everyone knew he was on his way out. Fangio is the defensive coordinator to Bill O'Brien's head coaching job. He wants O'Brien paired with Fangio, and reports are that's going to be Balky's recommendation to ownership and, and Shotcon. Who knows where they end up going there because they're they're asking to talk with several different people. But watch out for that there. And then Houston, Chad, you mentioned McDaniels and and Flores as options. Zimmer is out at Minnesota. And you could tell by the post-game pressers and any time he was in front of a microphone, the guy was getting fired and he knew it. Uh, eight seasons at the helm of the Vikings. Uh, three playoff appearances in eight seasons and an overall record of 74, 59, and 1. And their defense let them down at, at big points throughout the season this year. But going back to uh, what they accomplished offensively and the firepower, and people you know, laugh at that, but they have two solid wide receivers. They have Dalvin Cook in the backfield. And the problem is they have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. And at times, Kirk Cousins isn't all that bad. In fact, if you just looked at Kirk Cousins on paper, you'd think, oh, that this guy is a winning quarterback. He, he eclipsed 4,000 yards passing for the third time in his four seasons in Minnesota. And they have missed the playoffs every year that he's gone over 4,000 yards passing. It's mind-boggling. Uh, they move the football. They just don't win close games. And Zimmer is out because of it. Matt Nagy is out with the Bears uh, after four seasons. He had one playoff appearance in Chicago. And uh, his overall record was 34-31. and 31. And we mentioned Brian Flores and, of course, the other openings. Um, Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. And then Rich Passaccia, who's, who's the... Interim head coach is in the playoffs. I don't know how you move on from him after the job he's done and the turmoil that he's overcome this season. He's, to me, I think it's a no-brainer that he's won that job. Uh, with what he's done and how he's kept that group together, I'm keeping Rich Passaccia if I'm Vegas. Another name to watch for me this cycle is Eric Bieniemy, who has been mentioned for three, four years now for not just NFL jobs, college jobs, interviewed in a number of places. Is this the year that someone hires him? And then, of course, there's Jim Harbaugh that's out there with every job that pops up. There's some reporter that's reporting some connection to ownership, right. to a GM, to someone with Jim Harbaugh, which tells us that he either really wants out of the college game to get any NFL job, or he just really wants Michigan to give him all of that money back that he forked over a year ago for one more chance to do something big at Michigan. He accomplished it. He wants that money back from Michigan, or he wants to go to the NFL. I, I don't know which is which with Jim Harbaugh, but certainly his his management is pushing, and I don't know that he has an agent. I know he didn't have one at one point. Someone around Jim Harbaugh is pushing the agenda that he wants out of the college game. He wants out of Michigan. He wants to get back in the NFL. It's an easy payday. I mean, this is his one play uh, agent or not to get the James Franklin like money. I mean, Franklin is 11 and 11 over his last two seasons and got 10 million a year from Penn state. Harbaugh just went to the college football playoff. 
Coming up, by the way, in roughly 30 minutes, we'll be chatting with Trey Wallace live from Indianapolis uh, as we get a preview of tonight's national championship and what is a rematch from the SEC title game. Alabama takes on Georgia. We'll give our thoughts on that game and talk with Trey. That's coming up at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. Congratulations to Addison Butler and Michael Brown of the West Tennessee Vols. That was their fantasy football team name. They joined us for the Outkick 360 Fantasy Football League this year. They are the champions. They took me down yesterday, officially. Chad and I finished second and third. Congratulations to Jessica Addison and Denzel, or, or, uh, Densley Whitset, excuse me, Densley, uh, of the Antioch Bears. Uh, they also finish high in our league. Headlines when we come back on Outkick 360.